Hello, Tony G Nation. How are you today? I'm asking for a response from you know people who can't give a response. Mm-hmm. How are you doing today, Will? I'm good. How are you? You can give me a response. You're good? Okay. Yeah. Thursday. I'm doing, I'm doing all right. We're on 101. Yeah. Yep. Episode number 101. Just surpassed episode number 100. If you haven't listened to that yet, go ahead and listen to it. A little bit of statistics here. It's been two days since the release, since we're recording this episode, two days since we have released the 100th episode of the Tony G Show. And it had our most day one downloads out of any show we've ever done. Nice. So, I mean, we're on the right track. I mean, mm-hmm. it's simmered down since then, of course, but it's on the right track. It's trending upwards. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. The 100th episode of the Tony G Show. As for this episode, number 101, got a good episode planned for you. We're going to bounce into NFL free agency because, you know, we haven't had a show in like a week. Like a real, actually like two, two weeks. weeks. Two weeks since we've had like a real show, discussion, argument. Because, you know, we took the week off for, for our spring break. And then the 100th episode on yeah, Tuesday. I mean, it was we like were, a special epi- episode. We so. were really working on the, the episode the whole week too. So it wasn't really yeah. like a day off. But yeah. yeah. Either way, this is our first full episode in like two weeks. So we're going to recap NFL free agency. That'll be in segment number one. We're going to bounce out of football, go to the NCAA tournament, college basketball, March Madness, and then we're going to bounce back into football. So it's going to be like football, basketball, football. That's going to be our three segments today. Do have an honorable mention, just a quick little mention there. I got a, I got something to argue at the back end of the episode, so stick around for that as well. Before we get into today's episode, got to remind you, Tony G Show drops Tuesdays, Thursdays. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Download episodes, play episodes, subscribe, rate the show, comment, give us feedback, however you would like. I mean, we prefer positive, but both positive and or negative, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll take. And if you want to give us feedback personally, at Willis5312, that's his Twitter, at Tony G Show is my Twitter. Get Get at us that way. Let us know what you think of the show and... We'll keep putting out content for you. What do you think, Will? Yeah, sounds good. All right. Tony G Show, episode number 101. Coming your way. here on the Tony G Show, episode number 101. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. Got a good episode planned for you today as we move through, well, as we move towards, I should say, the halfway point in our season. I think we're shooting for what, like 25 episodes this? I think so. And I think we're over that mark. This is episode number 14. But just in case we go to like 30, mm-hmm. then 15 would be the smack dab in the middle. So, I mean, we're, we're about the halfway point. It's gone fast. It's gone quick. And I look forward to the back half, starting here with episode number 101. Let's get into it with segment number one, kind of a recap of NFL free agency. And to do this, you know, we can't go over every team, we can't go over every move, every player, because we'd be here all day long. It's been a very big and busy offseason so far for the NFL free agency-wise. So here's what we're going to do today on the Tony G Show to kind of recap the NFL free agency and offseason as a whole to this point. I'll give you my winning team out of the offseason so far and my losing team. A team that I think has made great moves to improve their team with what they were working with. Uh, a team that played with the, the new lowered salary cap in the NFL very uh, wisely and intelligently worked around some of the, the money problems that they have been having, if they have had any at all. So I'm going to give you my winning team and then my losing team. The team that Hasn't done much, hasn't done what they needed to, hasn't functioned under the salary cap appropriately. We'll get into all that, starting with the winning team of the offseason so far, the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, I'm going to throw that out there. That, that is my winning team. I bounced around teams like the Patriots because they made a lot of big moves. They didn't make my winning team because, you know, they made a lot of moves and they hit a lot of positions they needed to, but it, it, it wasn't like the biggest moves in the world. You know, they gave a lot of money to guys who were kind of 
B-grade players. I'm not saying they're not going to be good or they're not going to be productive in a Patriots uniform. Mm -hmm. It's just that I think they could have maximized a little bit more out of free agency in the offseason. And who's to say they won't? They aren't done yet. You'd expect with their cap space, so they'd, they'd go get some bigger names. But Right. Maybe they got a big draft plan. That's know. kind of Belichick's claim to fame, though, sure. is that he picks out these random players that some somehow turn into yeah. A, A-plus players for the Patriots. So yeah, but remember, who knows? now that the Patriots are working under Cam Newton instead of Tom Brady, will mm-hmm. that have the same effect? It'll be interesting to see. By the way, too, I said that the Patriots don't discount them like three episodes ago. You did say that. So when they're, when they're above... 500, like 10 wins a season. Just Credit Will McCormick. Yeah, go back to that. I called it. <laughs> this is way way before they even made the moves in free agency. This was like... Yeah, this was before free agency. It's like two months ago I said this. Correct. Okay, so here we are. I gave you you know a couple teams that I think should have been the winning team. Kind of honorable mentions. I really only gave you one. I think the Bills have had a good offseason so far. I could make an argument for Houston, but I'm going to make an argument against Houston when we get to the loser portion. I'll explain that. The winning team in the offseason so far is the Arizona Cardinals. Some of their bigger signings, J.J. Watt, of course, that deal, the two-year, $28 million deal. Then they went out and got A.J. Green, a one-year, $6 million deal. A team-friendly deal for a wide receiver who has been injury-plagued over the last couple seasons, but still very talented. And I, I talked about it in Season 3 of the Tony G Show, where you can't shy away from the talent of A.J. Green. Is he past his prime? Sure. Is he been injury-plagued? Sure. But he's still one of the utmost talented and athletic wide receivers in all of football. Remember the former Cincinnati Bengal? We had that talk, that discussion a few years ago about um, if if the Bengals should re-sign him, and if so, what's, what type of deal should it be, long-term, short-term? I think this is a great deal for the Arizona Cardinals. Like I said, it's team-friendly. You get to build around that wide receiver core of a proven Pro Bowl guys like DeAndre Hopkins and guys who are going to be who who have potential to become a very strong Pro Bowl wide receiver like a Christian Kirk. You have a veteran guy in Larry Fitzgerald. Now you add another veteran guy who's still un, unproven in the last recent seasons, but a guy who has a lot of talent could come in and still make an impact. I like the wide receiver core after this move in Arizona. I think J.J. Watt and A.J. Green are both solid pickups. Yep. Although I have said in past episodes that I think J.J. Watt needs to be in a team that he isn't like the sole piece of that D-line. Sure. And this doesn't, I wouldn't say A.J. Green falls into that same category, but just say that both these guys don't pan out and they they just either end Mm -hmm. up not playing well or getting hurt. Does this move the Cardinals to a losing team in free agency for you? Do they carry that much weight? No. They wouldn't be my winningest team in the offseason. But they wouldn't be the worst. But they wouldn't be mm. in the loser bracket. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because they're going out and making moves that show their knowledge and their awareness of the division. They know this is going to be a tough division. Mm-hmm. The NFC West isn't going to be a blow-by. The Rams have improved. Have improved. The Rams have improved. The Seahawks are still always going to be good and competitive no matter what's going on there. Especially with the Russell Wilson thing. The 49ers are going to be good bounce back uh, next season with you know the talent they're getting back from injury that they lost last year Jimmy Garoppolo Raheem Mostert uh, both I mean I mean practically their whole roster was injured the starting the entire starting lineup on offense and defense it just seemed like they were injured and remember my 49ers are the pick for the Super Bowl this upcoming season that hasn't changed yet so it's going to be a very tough division and mind you too that Murray is still on his rookie deal so Kyler. Basically, what yeah, Kyler Murray is still yep. on his rookie deal. So basically, what we're seeing is the Cardinals just throwing money, trying to win a Super Bowl before they either have to pay him a ridiculous amount of money that he's not worth, in my opinion, uh, or which I know you disagree with. Go ahead. Or pay him a lot of money and then be a very average team. Yeah, I do disagree with that claim. I do. I I like Kyler Murray a lot, and but, I know a lot of people have gone against him. And I, you know, I've kind of backed off. I've been kind of in between going back and forth on him. Because of how he acts and you know some of the childish mannerisms that he can have from time to time, I still think he's a valuable, talented B grade to maybe an A B grade level quarterback, which you can get by with. Oh, absolutely! Mm-hmm. You can certainly compete with if you add talent around him, and that's what the like you mentioned. The Cardinals are certainly trying to do. Another player that they signed that I really like, 
Matt Prater, two years, six and a half million dollars for the kicker, formerly of the Detroit Lions and then formerly of the Denver Broncos before that. Gotta have a good kicker. Gotta have a good kicker. You gotta have you one. can't you can't let your special teams lack. No. And Matt Prater has one of the biggest and best legs in all of football. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at some of the most successful teams in recent years. Great kickers. Great kickers. Always. Yeah. And you look at some of the unsuccessful teams. Terrible. That have not had good kickers. The Chicago Bears. If it wasn't for uh, Stephen Gostowski, Brady would have a few rings, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. That, he, I don't he have did it in front of me, but. Game-winning Super Bowl uh, field goal. I think, I think that was the Super Bowl they won against the Eagles. Regardless, you do need a good kicker. Mm-hmm. You can't undervalue the kicker position, especially you can't. Let me put it this way. You especially can't undervalue the special teams aspect. Um, you know, just relating that to a close-to-home type of field. The Packers have kind of lacked in their special team play the last couple mm-hmm. of years. And, you know, it's kind of reared its ugly head in big moments. So you can't undervalue special teams. And especially you can't undervalue the kicker. Matt Prater is a good kicker, a reliable kicker. I like the signing. And, I, you know, this isn't a kicker conversation. They're not going to go win the Super Bowl because they won the kicker. Right. But this just shows me that the Arizona Cardinals understand where they're weak, understand where they need to improve, understand what it's going to take to compete in this very tough, rugged division that they're going to be playing in this next season. The NFC West is no joke. You can't underestimate the Seahawks just because there's that Russell Wilson controversy. You can't underestimate the Rams because they have Matthew Stafford instead of Jared Goff, who's a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, a little bit more injury prone. You can't underestimate the 49ers just because they were injured last year. I mentioned this just a couple minutes ago. 49ers are my pick to be in the Super Bowl. Can the Cardinals compete? And making moves like this only increases their chances to. Did did we bet that... We did bet on it. That I said the Cardinals would sweep them, the Niners? I think you had Rams. Rams, Rams. You had Rams would sweep the Cardinals or Niners? I don't remember. We're going to have to listen back. back. Listen to it. Yeah. Either that or you can just pay me now if you want. Yeah, you said that before, Will, and it, it ain't happening. Okay, my friend? You can pay me ahead of time. So where where do you think they finish in the division then? Cardinals? Obviously I, not not top if, if you have the Rams going. Or I, not the Rams, but the Niners. Let me put it this way. Let's just do the whole division, the NFC West. Mm-hmm. I think rounding out the division, we'll, go, we'll work bottom up. I think rounding out the division... Oh man, this is a tough one because it's going to be a good division. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of big names in this division now. I think the Rams. Bottom. 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 I'm going to say football, it. Then the Rams are going to be bottom. Nah. Yes, no. because this is a tough division. The Rams. Stafford? The Rams are getting a quarterback in this new system. It always takes a year to develop a quarterback in a new system. Look at Aaron Rodgers and Matt Lafleur. Granted, they did go 13 and three. I get it, but there were still some indiscrepancies there is still some miscommunication it always takes about a season to get a quarterback in a new system rams are going to be bottom of the division that's hot that's that's on the surface of the sun hot (laughs) (laughs) that's what we apply here at the tony g show then i think third place is going to be the seahawks i think you know of course this kind of contradicts what i just said with the fact that you can't underestimate them, and I'm not saying they're going to be third in division at like four and eleven or four and twelve, excuse me. Mm-hmm. But same thing for the Rams. It's going to be a very competitive division, no matter what. Teams are going to be at or over five hundred all the way through. The thing with the Seahawks is they're going to be dealing with the Russell Wilson thing. They haven't done much to improve that situation just yet. I think they're going to be third, maybe even fourth. You know what? No. I, I think they'll be fourth. They have I've, less they have less talent than the Rams do. I think that's more viable. But you know what? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You're Rams stubborn. fourth, Seahawks third. You're just stubborn. And correct. <laughs> and in second place, I'll put the Cardinals. I'm gonna put the Arizona Cardinals at second in the division. I really like this team. I'm not underestimating them by any stretch of the imagination. I think all I think the football world is underestimating them. I don't think they're giving them enough credit for the talent they have, for the experience that they now have. You know, Larry Fitzgerald and such, now adding A.J. Green. Talk about Kyler Murray now in his, what, going into his fourth season? Third. Third uh, season. 
I mean, it's the back end of the contract now. So he has a few years under his belt is I the think point I'm making. He started in 2019. Right. Okay. 2019 to 2020, 2020 to 20. So this would be his third year. Either way, like I'm saying, is he's in the back end of his rookie contract. He has a couple years under him. And he has a couple years under him now with Cliff Kingsbury. So this is this isn't the Rams situation where Matthew Stafford is going to take a year to figure out that new system. I think I think the run is there for the Cardinals. The one position I think they need to upgrade at. And I say this I say this not, <laughs> no, 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 not quarterback. They need a tight end. I think that's yeah. uh, obvious. A better one than the situation they currently have. I wouldn't mind seeing them try to pull off something for a running back. Maybe a back. They got uh, Chase Edmonds. Mm-hmm. They have Kenyon Drake. Which are both decent backs. They're both decent backs, but I want to see an upgrade there. Mm-hmm. I'd rather see an upgrade from Kenyon Drake. I don't trust Kenyon Drake. Maybe that's what it is. So maybe if you add a different, you know, maybe you you pick up one in the third or fourth round of the draft. Then you upgrade at that. You upgrade the depth of that position. And, you know, I don't know the contract situation of Kenyon Drake off the top of my head, but I'm willing to make the argument that he's not your number two running back. Definitely not your number one, and I'd make the argument not number two. And then to round out this discussion we're having, the first in the NFC West, obviously I'm going to put the 49ers. They're my pick to be in the Super Bowl. I think they're getting a lot of talent back this year. I think they do have to add a piece or two in the draft. There's been talks about what they're going to do at the quarterback position and it all plays into it. I mean, it really does. But don't underestimate the 49ers just because of their off year last year. Still very talented, still well coached, still experienced, and now they're going to be healthy and dangerous. Any dispute with that, the first place, second place? I'll basically flip your uh, prediction on its head. Rams I'll go first. exact opposite. Seahawks third, or Seahawks second, mm-hmm. Cardinals third, yeah. and then the 49ers fourth. Yeah. Okay. You want to talk about me being on the surface of the sun. I take the, take the exact opposite. <clears throat> okay, I like it. I like it. Be a little bit out of the box. Go mm-hmm. ahead, Well, I'll let you. Yeah. Yeah. Should we move on? Yeah. Okay. I like this next one. I also like this next one. The losing team in the NFL offseason so far for this 2021 offseason and free agency, the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Terrible. They haven't done a whole lot. They, they did go out and sign... Paid pretty good money for Kevin Zeitler, the guard, Ooh. the former Giant, <laughs> Kevin Zeitler. He's a guard, offensive lineman, formerly of the New York Giants. Gave him three years, ah. $22.5 million. That's great help for Lamar. I'm always up for offensive linemen, especially a starter, which is what they just paid Kevin Zeitler to be. You can never have too many offensive linemen, of course, especially if you're protecting your MVP in Lamar Jackson or former MVP in Lamar Jackson. So that always helps. They also, another move they did before I start blasting them here, is they re-signed Ty, Tyus Bowser, outside linebacker, four years, $22 million. That's That's linebacker help for Patrick Queen, who I really like. Also help for Malik Harrison. Their pass rushers are going to be strong. Here's the thing, though. They didn't add, at least yet, and I say they didn't because I think they missed their opportunity to do this, you know Tony G does his homework, right, Tony G Nation, right, Will? Mm-hmm. So I looked up some stats, and I, I got really in-depth with this. And I found out that the Baltimore Ravens defense gave up the sixth most first downs in the run game last year. Rushing first downs they gave up on defense, they were number number six. So what does that tell me? That tells Tony G that they need defensive line help. Mm-hmm. If you can't stop the run game, if you're giving up, uh, and, you know, I don't know if this was third down First downs, this is just all first downs total. They were the sixth most. But you speculate that it's also third down, running, short distance. They gave up a lot of first downs. That tells me, like I said, they need defensive line help, and they missed opportunities to upgrade in that area. Guys they let come into free agency and walk. A couple names here. Trey Hendrickson, former Saint. Now he's a Bengal. Carl Lawson, former Bengal. Now he's a Jet. Yannick Ngakwe, former Raven, now he's a Raider. They let their defensive line, the one defensive lineman that was worth something on their roster (laughs) last year, they let him walk, and they didn't upgrade at the position, not to mention that J.J. Watt was also out there. Well, they also had Zedarius at one point, too. Yeah, I mean, that was a few years ago, and he's a linebacker, but it it all helps. Four down. 
in terms of the run game, it all helps in terms of, uh, like I said, stopping the run game, rushing the passer. I mean it, man. They really missed out on an opportunity. This was a defensive lineman heavy offseason and free agency, and they didn't add anybody. They lost someone. Right, and this is going to be a, kind of a pivotal point, too, in their development as a team. Yes. Because what, the Lamar we saw last year was not even, didn't even touch MVP Lamar. Yeah. And he needs yep. help. Clearly, you can't. I mean, there's not many players that can pull their weight like that or pull yeah. a whole team on their back. I don't know if he's one of those guys. It's it's weird in Baltimore, though. Yeah. You're going to. No, I, I'm just like, I'm kind of a, like, Baltimore is kind of a toss up for me. Yeah. Like, they're going to be really good or extremely average. Yeah. And like, I have, it, it, it's weird. Like, Lamar, it, the times he looks like he's some incredible next generational talent. And then other times it's like, man, he's an incredibly average quarterback. And it's, it's really going to depend on the team around him, I think. Absolutely. And, and what they've done so far in free agency, unless they hit in the draft, is not helping their yeah. situation. I agree, and I'm going to build off of that a little bit. I think the word we're looking for here in this discussion is consistency. Yeah. And they have issues with it. Mm-hmm. All time. up and down their offense and defense, especially much, starting with Lamar Jackson. Well, the last decade they've been inconsistent. Yeah, that's true. It seems like they're like really dominant, and then the next year they're just terrible. It seems like they win a Super Bowl. The next year they don't really do much. Yeah. And... It, to, to the point of Lamar Jackson, to hone in on one specific player, and obviously he's a generational talent, an arm of a bazooka. The accuracy has been an issue for the last couple of years, the last couple of seasons. The decision-making has been kind of iffy. He does like to run the ball a lot, which can get him hurt. It's it's like this weird paradigm because Lamar Jackson is their offense, mm-hmm. but he can also be their worst enemy. Yeah. I mean, he can be on both ends of that spectrum. Right, and I'm not like a Lamar hater because I enjoy watching... I'm not either. A lot I, of people I, are. Yeah, I enjoy watching quarterbacks like that, especially incredibly athletic ones. Yeah. Um, I mean, look at Mike Vick, just the legacy... Right. That, before you continue, just the legacy that he's had doing the same thing that Lamar Jackson has been doing. I mean, exactly. How are you going to hate on that? Right. But at the same time, I feel like he made a lot of game-winning plays last year. Sure. Or maybe not game-winning plays, but he made a lot of very important plays to win. We'll put it under that category, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever that may be. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like he's kind of the demise of when they play bad. Yeah. Like, he's he is the reason. He, not the demise, but he's like the epicenter. Well, that's what I'm saying, is he's either your MVP center of your offense, mm-hmm. or he's either your worst enemy. Right. Making bad decisions, bad throws. Not protecting the football the way that he should. And what's what's been the number one thing that's killed the legacy, the prime, the play, the overall play in general of quarterbacks the last couple of seasons? Look at Carson Wentz; it's been turnovers. Look mm-hmm. at Philip Rivers; it's been turnovers. So it, you could argue it's not the same thing with Lamar because he doesn't do it as much, but it's the same thing that decision making and that awareness that he doesn't quite hone in just yet. And to your point too, both or all three of those quarterbacks have had averagely terrible defenses. Yeah, over their careers. That's true. And and the Ravens' defense has just been on a steep decline since 2019. And to wrap this point all together, you speak about the inconsistencies of the defense, I'm telling you, man, this was your opportunity to build something in your defense, specifically your defensive line. You lost Yannick Ngakwe. You had to replace him, and you didn't. The talent was there, and you didn't go out and get it. I'm not saying you should have went out and paid J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt money. Mm-hmm. But you had to upgrade somewhere on that defensive line. And if you plan to do it in the draft, then you plan to do it in the draft. And I can't judge you for that. But the thing is, is when you have the opportunity to build now for Lamar Jackson, you got to do it. Everyone gets on the Packers for not doing it. And everyone points out the Patriots and Buccaneers for kind of doing it. Everyone gets on, uh, you know, everyone shines a light on Pittsburgh for putting wide receivers, young wide receiver talent. High wide receiver draft picks around Big Ben. You know, so the point here is that when the spotlight is on you to build around your young quarterback, you have to do it. Arizona's now doing it after we just had that discussion that they've won the offseason so far. The Ravens are not doing it. They're not building that defense the way they should. If anything, they've only gone downhill the last couple of seasons. We mentioned... uh, Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. One second. We mentioned that they lost Zadarius Smith. Mm-hmm. Now they lost Yannick Ngakwe. They're only losing pieces. Granted, they added Patrick Queen, but they're only going downhill. It's a bad trend. To Compared to uh, Kyler Murray, Lamar is in his last year of his rookie deal. 
Yep. And I believe there's a fifth year option that's looking like it's going to be about 23 million compared to his 1 million, 1.7 million he's making this year. Obviously, I don't know the t- the entirety of the Ravens cap space situation, but it's only going to get worse in the next couple couple yes, years. Cuz you're going to have to pay him more money. Marquise Brown, he's young. Yep. His contract is coming up pretty soon. I mean, you're right. You only got this is their window. This is their window. This is their time to capitalize and build, and they aren't doing it. That's why they're my number one loser so far in the NFL offseason. Good discussion for segment number one. Let's move on to segment number two. This is going to hurt a little bit. We're going to talk about March Madness, the NCAA tournament to this point. We've been through two rounds, the round of 64, the round of 32. Uh, If you want to count the the play-in games, and you can count that too as another round. I don't know. I know some people do that. Whatever. We're We're through two official rounds in March Madness. And it's been a very good, very upset-heavy bracket to this point. March Madness to this point. But I think all these upsets have been coming around one conference. One division. One set of teams. And that conference is the Big Ten. We had Brian Brees, the president of St. Norbert College, on the 100th episode on Tuesday. And he made a prediction. We asked him, you know, any... Because the interview was on Zoom. It was... Uh, pre-record date for the 100th episode. We asked him, do you have any predictions going into March Madness, you know, pick this or that? And he gave us very good insight to it on what he thought. But he said the Big Ten Big Ten's going to have a good showing. And I bring up President Brees because that was right along with my thinking. That was right along with Will's thinking. That was right along with most of the people's thinking that made brackets. The Big Ten was going to have an amazing showing. They had a lot of talent. They had a lot of experience. It was a very good Big Ten tournament. Very competitive conference. And yet, there was only one team still playing. Wow. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk. Crazy. It is. It's just nuts. And we're going to talk about what that means for the Big Ten and for college basketball moving forward. However, let's recap so far the Big Ten if, if we want to. In the round of 64, three Big Ten teams went down. Michigan State lost 86-80 to to UCLA. Ohio State lost in a massive upset to Oral Roberts, 75-72. to And Purdue went down to North Texas, 78-69. to That's three Big Ten teams in the first round down. Let's get to the round of 32 now. Illinois, 71-58 lost to Loyola Chicago. Wisconsin, 76-63 lost to Baylor. A lot of turnovers in that game for Wisconsin. Rutgers, a 63-60 loss to Houston. And then Iowa, 95 to 80 loss to Oregon. And not to mention Maryland, a 96 to 77 loss to Alabama. Granted, Alabama didn't miss a, a shot in that game. It was all three pointers, and they, and they were all <laughs> makes, presumably. So, I mean, regardless, though, eight Big Ten teams down. A lot of people had Ohio State, Illinois, even Iowa in their final four to championship game. I had Ohio State in one of my championship brackets. Really? I had Illinois in the Final Four. I had Iowa in the Elite Eight. And all of them went down. There's one team still standing. That's Michigan. They've beaten Texas Southern and LSU, and they're going to play Florida State on Sunday. They're the one lone Big Ten team still alive in the March Madness bracket. This is such a big deal, and I'll tell you why. Because throughout the entirety of, of college sports, football, Basketball, even baseball to a certain extent. The big showing for conferences to make their name heard, which goes a long way for them financially as a conference, goes a long way for them in recruiting, is showing up in big tournaments like this. You know, in bowl season every year, college football fans kind of keep track of different conferences. You know, Big Ten will go 7-0 and in bowl games, or Pac-12 will go like 5-5, and you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Just to give you a couple examples, people always pay attention to those conference uh, matchups because they're always interconference games, the bowl games, or or usually they are. And then, you know, this Big Ten tournament, or Big Ten tournament, this NCAA March Madness bracket is is quite possibly the biggest showing for conferences to make their names heard. And when you, man, it hurts because when the Big Ten comes in with this much talent, not to mention this much senior talent, so they won't be here the next year. And then not to mention that they had so much potential, so much hype around them, and the fact they didn't show up as a conference. 
is killer. Killer. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's not like they got into like the Elite Eight or like the Sweet 16 and lost when they're predicted to go to the championship. I mean, these teams are getting bounced in the first and second rounds. Right. Which is almost unheard of for the Big Ten. Usually quite a few teams make a push. Yes. Like at least three to four. Yep. And you know what's the bummer about Michigan being the last one standing? What is that? Can you name a school in the Big Ten that's the biggest letdown in most sports they play? Michigan. Seriously. Don't tell our friend Matthew Swanson. No, I, I he would probably agree with me. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they always been... seem to have these high praises, and yep. they just fall hard. And I really hope that they can make a push, and I hope they can. I'm not saying that I hope that they lose because I'm rooting for the Big Ten. Sure. But it, I always, I just have a little part of me never has total faith in Michigan because yes. it seems like they always have this huge hype around them, and then they just fall flat on their face. And the thing is moving forward is that Florida State isn't no pushover either. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Like they, yeah. like they're playing some serious teams. Yes. They're playing some serious teams, and I really hope they can make a push. Yeah. But it makes me nervous that it's Michigan. And I get, you know, it, to continue this talk about the conferences as a whole, not just Michigan, I get an Ohio State major upset. I mean, it happens. Teams of destiny is, you know, just destined to win games like that. Oral Roberts, the massive upset. It makes their season. It makes some of those players' careers because they, you know, they weren't even going to be in the tournament until they played as well as they they did in the start of the season. So to beat Ohio State, that's huge for them. And I get that Cinderella story. Loyola Chicago is another one of those. Um, You could even argue North Texas. But the thing being... That when you lose like that, in such a major upset fashion, like I said, the first two rounds when you're predicted to go so far and, and you know get to championships, get to final fours, get to elite eights, oh man, you know it, it's really tough to bounce back from that the next season. You know, I, I remember when, I mean, again, to attach this to sort of a home feel, I remember when Wisconsin went to the final four, lost, and then I remember when they went to the championship, lost, and Wisconsin will never be that back to that point again in my lifetime. The talent on that roster that they had those two years, oh, man. Mm-hmm. You just don't replicate that in college basketball because there's so many teams, there's so many colleges, and there's so many options for players that are talented. So it's tough. Right, and to your point, too, like like you said, I believe like maybe five minutes ago, you said it's going to really kind of affect the recruitment side of things yeah. for the Big Ten. I wonder how it's going to play out looking you know a year down the road here when we figure out who's going where yeah like if michigan's gonna have a great pull now if, if they can make a little bit of a of a deeper push than the rest of the big 10 or if it's gonna be even across the board it's gonna be interesting to see how it kind of pans out because if you think about iowa imagine if they make a final four push where would they land yeah. recruitment wise yep because they're they have quite a few seniors that are gone now right yes so well, uh luca garza is probably going into the draft they're big so yeah, kind of a big, big hit for Iowa. Were you surprised the upset for Iowa? I wasn't personally sold on them, so I wasn't like totally surprised. The upset for Iowa, then they lost to Oregon. Mm-hmm. It was a big loss. I mean, ninety-five to eighty. Right, that's, that's a, a blowout. Lot of, that's a lot of scoring. That's a blowout. Yeah, fifteen-point losses. Uh, I, Maybe not quite a blowout, but that's a. Convincing well, it's not win. that. It's just that I I wouldn't say it's the biggest loss. I'd say Maryland to Alabama was huge, mm-hmm. and then in terms of just sheer upsets. Illinois versus Loyola Chicago. I mean, Illinois didn't even put up 60 in that game. Ohio State lost in overtime to Oral Roberts, and they had to fight to even get it to overtime. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. tough. Right. It's tough to see that happen. Uh, You know, as we're going to wrap up this conversation, we'll kind of pull it away from just the Big Ten. Did you make a bracket, Will? I did. How is it doing so far? I I haven't looked because I'm (laughs) – I don't know. I'm not too confident. Here, I'll yeah, pull it up. I know. I'm not the most confident either. My championship team is still in there, Gonzaga, though. Yeah, I picked Gonzaga as well. I yeah, kinda a felt, lot of people did. Yeah, I didn't really want to make an unconventional pick just because I don't follow. I didn't follow prior to the to the uh, to the start of this that closely, so I wasn't really sure, sure who had what, and it could be. I'm I'm in fifth right now out of. Out of 20 people. Wow. So that's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. I made two brackets for this March Madness. Both of them, I had Gonzaga winning. I had one win over Illinois and one win over Ohio State. Both bounced. What do you, I mean, what do you do, man? I had the Big Ten predicted to go to the championship game in both my brackets. They were both bounced in the first two rounds. Come on, dude. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, I got 73% correctness so far. Good for you, man. Not bad. I'm glad to see that. Um, yeah. I mean, we're... It, it's a good It's a good March Madness. Yeah, it's fun. It's very fun. Especially to see a year upsets. off. Yeah. I mean, and to see it... Not see it last year and then to kind of see it bounce back again. This spring, you know, it's meaningful in more than one way to sports. I would say this, though. It's not as fun with, like, quarter-filled stands. Yeah. Even even watching on the t- <clears throat> on the TV, yeah. it's not nearly as enjoyable to watch. Yeah, because you know with the the fandom that that brings in, and especially when there's upsets like Oral Roberts over Ohio State. Right. I mean, you like to see the fan reaction to that, and there isn't much of that this year. But it's still meaningful to have the coronavirus kind of subside to a point where we can get in another March Madness, do it safely. I, I think there was only one discrepancy with the team so far. And I think they lost, so I, I think they're out of it. The point being, though, is that, you know, to see March Madness return with a tournament like this is healing the game of college basketball. Because when sports go through a time where they're not playing, where they go through a little hiatus of good, talented, and competitive play, they tend to lose fans. Remember, and I say remember like I was around for this, but I've watched documentaries on it. Uh, you know, the, oh, I forget what it's called. The one, the documentary, the E, the 30 for 30 of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. To pull up that example of when baseball was kind of dying, it's dying out with fandoms, with fans, as I should say. Dying out with fans. It took that sort of competitive, fun, lighthearted nature between Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and their talented play to kind of resurrect the MLB and it brought back a lot of fans it brought back a lot brought back a lot of opportunity and it allowed for that sport to continue being successful to gain fans to gain young fans and this is the same thing with college basketball after not having a march madness i mean who doesn't who who that is into sports doesn't have a memory of watching march madness when they were younger i mean it's a thing you do mm-hmm. you know i remember doing it in high school turning it on the computer game Putting a game on the computer in class, or whatever. Do it now in college. It was almost encouraged. Yeah. In, in elementary to middle school, it was like. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have we're computers not do back much then, today. But, but still, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the point. Is that like it was a thing, in part of your childhood. And so, for young kids, that is a gen- generation or two younger than Will and I. It's it's good to see that it's back, mm-hmm. competitive, and I think that hiatus, you know, is going to be proven. Kind of, I mean, kind of irrelevant. Oh, yeah. I mean, think the, how The game awesome is going to continue be. to develop and evolve is what I'm saying. Right. Like, imagine the first March Madness where there's full 100% packed stands. Yeah. It'll be that much more enjoyable and crazy. Or just any sport in particular. Right. But I'm, yeah. Yeah, yeah I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So let's wrap up that conversation. Uh, good conversations that we've had so far. Remember how I mentioned at the start of the show, we're going to jump into football going to bounce to college basketball and then come back to football and that's what we're doing here a little bit more about free agency kind of a more home feel the green bay packers and their offseason and their and their free agency pickups that they've made to this point and i gotta get this off my chest here packer fans and packer twitter is getting on the green bay packers for not doing anything in, in in free agency just yet packer twitter is like toxic yeah, yeah it is. it's really bad. It's I mean, almost hard to watch. I'm watching to read tweets and memes about the Packers not doing anything, and it's like, what do you want them to do? Right. They don't have the money to do anything yet. They're restruct. They're in the middle of restructuring Aaron Rodgers' contract. And and honestly, they've done a lot. Yeah, they've done a lot more than I ever expected them to do. I mean, they've had to make a lot of tough decisions to make cap room. Right. And they've had trouble with that this season because of, you know, like I mentioned, the reduced salary cap in the NFL. They've had a lot to work around and a lot to kind of work through. So what do you expect them to go do? You you wanted them to go get JJ Watt. You wanted them to go uh, to go get who? I mean, and I, I don't. And plus, I don't think it's it's not like you need some big free agent to come in here and sweep the market. I get people were kind of upset over like a Will Fuller or something like that, and I get that. But I think the key is the draft. Mm-hmm. You need to add depth to some positions. You need to continue to develop the players you have and 
continue to add talent any way you can that doesn't cost you a boatload of money. Especially with, with some of the decisions they made. Yeah. They'll be basically, at least in my opinion, they'll be drafting an, an old lineman in the first round. Yeah, I could see that. Just because... I with, wouldn't be shocked. Right, and, and I know you have it listed here, and you'll get over it, or you'll go over the main person we're going to talk about here, but with Devin Funches coming back, at least as it's... Is he? It, he's been tweeting about it. Okay. So... At least in theory. I don't know if it's been announced, but he's been tweeting like he's coming back. Yep. So if he can come back and provide some sort of production, that number one offense, if they can find a few more role players on that O-line... Because I think letting Lindsay Lindsley walk might have been a mistake. I also agree, but they didn't have the money to no. continue. And we'll we'll discuss that with this uh, yeah. person you're gonna bring up. But before we bring that up, I want to add off to your point. Another talent they brought back on the offense is Mercedes Lewis. Yeah, they just Great recently pickup. did that a, a two year. People are mad uh, about that one. That, 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 that that's like a no brainer to me. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers really likes Mercedes Lewis, and he's a good blocker. He's not going to be your number one tight end. You know, Robert Tanya I think has that sealed. But mm-hmm. regardless, it's a good re-sign, and I, I, like, I like Lewis on this roster. And like we said, in, I believe in maybe like three episodes ago, it pays to have two to three good tight ends. I mean, Sternberger's not bad either. Yeah. Heck, even uh, Josiah DeGuara, rookie. Yeah, I'm not he, high on him. Dude, he, he blocks way better than Jimmy Graham. He laid down 30 blocks better than Jimmy Graham did in his, all his time as a Packer. Okay, well, my grandpa could lay down better blocks than So he's better, he's better than Jimmy Graham. Um, <laughs> That's a bold statement. But they... <laughs> <laughs> but, Having a good, solid second tight end like Mercedes Lewis who can lay down a good block, Yeah, that's almost invaluable. Yeah, it is good to have him. I don't know about Josiah DeGuara, but let's get to the player that is the main topic of discussion in this argument. The Packers have re-signed running back Aaron Jones to a four-year, $48 million contract, a $13 million signing bonus as part of that $48 million. And Jamal Williams has walked... He signed on with Detroit, two years, six million. Good for him. Wish him the best. He left on good terms with the Packers. But now the running back depth chart for the Green Bay Packers is this: Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, and a fifth or sixth rounder. I think is that, or maybe even an undrafted free agent in that third running back position. Was this a good move? I'm going to argue the Packers made the right decision here. Yeah, it was a good choice. There's a lot of things that play into it, though. Okay, I, mean, I get the counter-argument to it, and we're going to get to that in a second. And I get that A.J. Dillon is kind of developing, and he's, you know, the running back of the future. He's kind of proven himself that one season. He's kind of had a couple good games here and there that he's had under his belt that one season, his rookie season. And now he's going to be playing behind Aaron Jones for the next four years. I think when this contract's up with Aaron Jones, you re-sign A.J. Dillon just like you did with Aaron Jones. You use Aaron, you, a lot of A's going on. You you use A.J. Dillon like you used Jamal Williams last year, maybe even a little bit more, and you got yourself a quality backup running back mm-hmm. and a starting running back in four seasons. Go ahead. I like this pairing of running backs. I do too. They're like totally, I mean, I, Jamal, I would say, was not quite the same running back as A.J. Dillon, mm-hmm. but they're both full head of steam Falling forward type like, running backs. Like bulldozers. Right. Which yeah. you almost need if you have a running back like AJ Jones. See, I'm doing it too. Yeah. If you have a running back like Aaron Jones, yep. where he's kind of, he swerves, you know, he's more like kind of a speedy and like slithery kind of guy. He's, he, he finds that random hole or he finds that random little cut where yeah. he can make one move and it keeps the defense kind of on their toes. And then you have somebody like AJ Dillon that can really just kind of straight at you. Yeah. Kind of running back. And I think the hybrid. The way that the Packers use him is like a wide receiver, too. He can spread out and be a wide out, too. Aaron Jones, that is. Aaron Jones, yeah. yep. I think that goes a long way to his value. And we're going to get to – I want to talk about that in two seconds. But let me just make this point that this was the right decision for the Packers because Aaron Jones is, of course, talented. I mean, one of the top running backs in mm-hmm. the league. Top five, I'd argue. Right? Uh, I haven't thought through that statement, but I'm willing to, I'm willing he, to say top five. He's a very consistent back. Correct. When he's healthy, which he has been. For the most part. Also, inexperience behind him. I think that kind of plays into this decision. A.J. Dillon hasn't been the most experienced guy. I mean, he just got through his rookie season. Mm-hmm. Basically had like two big games. Right. So if you didn't re-sign Aaron Jones, then you'd have a rookie running back and no one behind him heading into the draft and offseason. So I think this was the right decision to bring him back for that point. 
as well as just his overall locker room presence. Everyone in the Green Bay locker room loves him, especially one Mr. Aaron Rodgers. That goes a long way to bringing him back, man. I mean, and, and I'm not saying they paid $48 million for a locker room smile for a giggle guy in the locker room. They paid $48 million for a very, very valuable top five running back in the NFL who doubles as a non-toxic player in the locker room. I think this was a great, uh, I don't want to say pickup because he was already there. This is a great re-sign for the Green Bay Packers. And to circle back to your point to kind of talk about how toxic or how, not toxic, but just how like how, how quickly fans can turn on Twitter. It's just kind of funny. I remember watching like NFL be posting, you know, Packers are letting Aaron Jones walk. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, you know, come to so-and-so. And then as soon as he signs with the Packers, it's like terrible signing. He's, you know, there's all these reasons why he's a bad player because he's not in their team. And I find that ironic. And it's just like, it's it's funny how perspective, and if he's not in your team, it's like he's automatically bad. Yeah. It's like, I don't like, I'm not a huge Patrick Mahomes fan, but he's a freaking great quarterback. Yeah. And I'm not doubting that. Yeah. And he's contract is huge but I get the point you're making yeah. right and it's just i think it's kind of like it's infuriating to even uh, some i don't even look anymore i don't even read i just see the post and i'm like okay great yeah just keep <laughs> i don't even read anymore because it's, I mean, it's just so irritating i mean it is still a good signing i mean the guy's still very valuable like i said mm-hmm. and a quick counter argument here as we're kind of winding down the show is there's always that discussion and will and i have had it a couple times where you don't pay a running back for their second contract um, at least, or at least it usually doesn't pan out. Right. You know, you look at guys like Le'Veon Bell and so on. You pay these guys, and then they get injured because they're running backs. They get hit on every play. And I get that. But the way the Packers use Aaron Jones is going to lengthen his career. And I don't mean like as a, as a hybrid kind of running back, a wide receiver type of running back. I mean by the strategic and bland substitutions between him and Jamal Williams, who's now going to be A.J. Dillon. Aaron Jones, he, he'd go a couple – offensive possessions without stepping on the field and there was different reasons that played into that but I think ultimately how they kind of split time between them still clear that Aaron Jones is number one the number one running back on this depth chart but they kind of switch time between them to keep Aaron Jones fresh and Mm -hmm. I think that's going to lengthen his career and I think the Packers will really benefit from that strategy through the length of this contract yeah especially if they can get production out of uh, A.J. Dillon and really have some trust and faith in him to agree. carry a decent amount of load when they need to take some weight off of uh, Aaron Jones. It's yeah. going to be a very productive and, and, and elongated career Yes, for Aaron Jones. Okay, we'll wrap that one up there, that segment. We've had a good three segments so far. I have an honorable mention segment before we wrap up today's show for the Tony G Show. Will, were you a wrestling fan when you were young? Uh, yes. You know who the great Kali is? Mm-hmm. The Great Khali has been elected to the WWE Hall of Fame in the next upcoming class. Does he deserve it? No. You don't think he deserves no. it? What did he do? What? He was big. Okay. That's all he did. What did he do? I don't know. I don't have stats on the Great Khali. <laughs> I'm not looking it up. Kane just got elected as well. What Kane did well was he morphed his character to stay relevant in the WWE. He played part in one of the best storylines ever in the WWE with The Undertaker. I feel really nerdy bringing up the WWE, but you know it's something that I grew up watching. I'm going off of my 10 year old knowledge right now. Like that's that's the the base level fourth grade. Yeah, that's the last time I watched when I was like 10. But what did he do special, the Great Collie? He was big. Okay, that's it. He's great. (laughs) It's in his name, Tony. He's (laughs) great. I guess the Hall of Fame Collie. He didn't do nothing special. He was big. My counter argument is it's in his name. That's a great counter argument. Otherwise also he'd just be got no weight to it. Otherwise he'd just be the Kali. The Kali. How how terrible of a name is that? I think he should have been the Kali. The guy didn't do nothing great. The guy didn't do great. nothing. He was big. What about uh you like Undertaker? The yeah. Undertaker? Is he Hall of Fame worthy? Yeah. Okay, alright. I was just gonna start swinging. <laughs> okay, but here how does that relate to the great Kali? I don't you just brought up the Undertaker, so I had to ask. Yeah, because Kane is another in this class going into the Hall of Fame. He deserves it. Undertaker deserves Ooh, it when Kane? his time is up. Yeah. Don't even know. Well, I kind of remember that name. Kane. Yeah, I don't think I liked him. The big guy, the brother of Undertaker. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I mean, he morphed his character, morphed what he wore, morphed how he talked, morphed 
Great Khali didn't do nothing. He was the same guy for like five years, and all he was was big. He didn't do nothing special. You, I tell you what, we'll come back here next Tuesday. You make you pitch me an argument why Great Khali should be a WWE Hall of Famer. Can we also give shout-outs to our favorite wrestlers? I doubt they're listening, but yeah. I mean, not shout-outs, but can we just like discuss some of our favorite wrestlers at that time? I, think I don't know if funny. I feel safe making it a full segment. We'll, we'll do the only, only make it the half-hour segment. Only the, <laughs> the biggest segment of the show, Will? Yeah. <laughs> okay. We can stretch it out. I bet you everyone would love to hear us talk WWE. complete non-statistical analysis of WWE. Yeah, completely scripted wrestling. Right. Yeah, by the way, like when I was a kid and I found out it was scripted, I was like crushed. Yeah. I remember denying it. I was like, no, yeah, it's no not. Way. And then I was like, yeah, I know. But I was really like, I bet it's not. <laughs> <laughs> And then I just uh, kind of, I don't know, grew up and I don't watch it anymore. Not to say that people who still watch it aren't grown-ups or, or nothing like that. It's just, you know, I grew into other things and evolved. Did you go to a live one ever? Oh, all the time. Did you really? Oh, did yeah. you go to the one that was at the Resh? Oh, yeah, all I the time. I did, too. Every time it came, I'd, oh, yeah. <laughs> Dad, can we get tickets? Oh, yeah. We'd buy, we'd, we, I'd make him pay for a WrestleMania or two. I'd make him pay for a Royal Rumble. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. You went to a Royal Rumble? No, not not pay for tickets. Like, pay for the pay-per-view. Oh, okay. Watch like, it. Whoa. Yeah. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. But yeah, cool. All right, well, that was a nice trip down memory lane. We'll conclude the Tony G Show there. Episode number 101 in the books. We'll be back next Tuesday, pounding out episodes. Keep an eye on next Thursday's episode. St. Norbert College goes on Easter break next week, sometime mid-late next week. And that Thursday show is still up in the air. So keep an eye on that. We'll discuss that on Tuesday. But we will be back next Tuesday for episode number 102 of the Tony G Show. I'm just going to count down every episode we've ever had. Just so I don't lose track. What do you think? That's probably a good idea. Instead of us like idea. going back and like counting them. Like yeah. Because, I mean, we're getting calendar. up there in episodes. I can't count this high anymore. <laughs> we're getting there. Yeah. All right. Tony G Show in the books. For Will McCormick, I'm Tony G. We'll catch you Tuesday right here on the Tony G Show.